0: You might think that you're the only person struggling with something, and then there's that sense of freedom when you meet someone else who's struggling with it too, and you're like, wait, I'm not alone in this. This is Truth Pop with Jake and Kathy, a Catholic take on faith and culture. culture.
1: Welcome to another episode of Truth Pop. I'm Kathy. And I'm Jake. And we are a married couple giving you a Catholic take on faith and culture, helping you to live out your faith in today's modern day society.
0: You know, when I was a kid, I struggled a lot with just having an excessive fear of God. And I was so worried about offending God. And I didn't really know that there was a name for it. It was a little after college that I was diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder specifically tied to what's called scrupulosity. Maybe you can relate to it too. You're just constantly on guard and you just always have a fear of committing sin to the point that it affects your relationship with God. It was really freeing for me to meet other young Catholics who can relate to this cross of scrupulosity. And I wanna introduce you to one person named Tanner Kalina, who's been very open about his struggle with scrupulosity. He's currently a Eucharistic missionary for the National Eucharistic Congress. You might have seen him on Ascension Presents or other ministries with Focus, EWTN. also one of the co-creators of the Saints Alive podcast. He's here to bring you some hope and healing in this episode.
1: We wanted to talk today about scrupulosity and what it is. So can you explain what scrupulosity is uh, to someone who may not have heard about it before?
2: Yeah, I mean, it... First off, scrupulosity is, it's kind of a, it's a big term, right? Like
1: scrupulosity
2: for someone else and how I describe it might not be scrupulosity for someone else, it's Mm -hmm. kind of this nebulous thing. It's hard to crack down, but scrupulosity oftentimes, and I'll I'll say, I'll use that kind of language. Scrupulosity oftentimes is a form of religious OCD and OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder And so scrupulosity oftentimes deals with obsessions where kind of like intrusive thoughts that just kind of really plague at someone and leads them to a compulsion, which is a behavior to counteract that obsession. And so someone with scrupulosity um, tends to have some sort of like spiritual OCD. And so they'll be plagued with thoughts of whether or not they committed a mortal sin, whether or not they're worthy to receive the Eucharist, uh, if they're going to hell, if they, you know, hurt someone or if they hurt God and they'll be plagued by these thoughts. And it might lead them to, you know, going to confession just an egregious amount of times or just repeating prayers in their head over and over or having to decide the cross again, you know, oh. because they feel it, it wasn't right the first time. All these different ways that it manifests. I mean, I've, I've struggled with them. I, 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 it's, it's, a it's a mental cross is really, if I had to put it in the most condensed terms, it's just a mental cross.
0: What I hear you saying is I think, you know, sometimes the pain of scrupulosity is that a lot of people don't fully understand what it is. So mm-hmm. some people might attribute it to like, oh, you just don't have enough trust in God's mercy, or it's a spiritual problem. But I think oftentimes we fail to recognize that it truly is tied to a mental illness, obsessive compulsive. And it just, it's manifesting itself that way.
2: Or the converse. Oh, you're so devout. You're so pious. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. someone can even trick themselves into thinking that like, Oh, I'm so pious. I'm doing all these things. Right. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It has a negative side, but also maybe like uh, an exaggerated positive side as well.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I struggle with scrupulosity, and I was just really encouraged by your video that you did for Ascension Pre- uh, Presents, talking about ways to deal with scrupulosity. But I think, you know, my experience is that oftentimes I justify it, right? And I think, oh, well, like, it's better than being at the opposite end where you don't care about committing mortal sin. But I think one of the beautiful things that we can come in our understanding of what scrupulosity is, is that further recognition that... It doesn't have to be this way, and that there's healing. But first, I, I want to start a little bit more with your journey with it. Is it something that you always remember having, or did it grow over time?
2: Yeah. So for me, it, it really is tied to OCD, and mm-hmm. both those started appearing when I was seven. I I started to I I remember it was the first death I ever experienced. My great uncle passed, and I remember my mom. You know, I walked in the door after school and my mom was crying and she said, Uncle Benny passed. And I was like, I remember seeing her and how distraught she was. And I remember thinking, shoot, I feel like I should be upset, but I really just want some cookie dough. I felt bad about not feeling bad. So I ran upstairs and I tried to make myself cry. And I was just tormented with like, why don't I feel bad? I should Mm -hmm. feel bad. And I remember just from that moment, just kind of maybe distorted thought patterns really just started to, to happen and, and, and show themselves in my mind to the point where like, I'd have bad thoughts that crossed my mind and I'd have to yell bad thought just so my mom knew that like I was like kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. And so I was just constantly yelling bad thought. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: And uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it happened pretty early for me and it's been, man, it's been a journey it's mm-hmm. been a journey i think in high school it got it got real bad um because i went to an all boys catholic high school
0: me too yeah oh, but,
2: wow. yeah. yeah and it, i i was learning the the just the the depths and beauty of our faith and how rich it is and how endless it is that mm-hmm. if you wanted to go deep in a certain area in our faith you could go forever mm-hmm. um we have 2000 years of the greatest theologians the greatest artists the greatest <laughs> minds and people that have ever lived. And so there's countless resources that you can dive into. And I was learning all this. And at the same time, I wasn't really encountering the person Jesus. You know, they say discipline without relationship ends up in burnout
1: Hmm.
2: uh, or discipline without relationship ends up in severe scrupulosity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My high school doubled as an art museum. And so there were literally hallways with just Jesus paintings and Jesus sculptures everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the like proper thing to do would be to like genuflect in front of anything that like portrayed Jesus. I, you know, in my head, I thought, man, someone who's like sold out for Jesus should Mm -hmm. love anything that's Jesus. So a sculpture of Jesus, like someone should love. And it made sense in my head, but it was like really distorted. And, And so I would like, literally just do lunges up and down the ho- some hallways because I'd be genuflecting in front of everything. <laughs> yeah, I get a leg workout going from physics class to geometry class, you know, <laughs> and it was exhausting physically, but also just mentally and emotionally. And, mm. um, yeah. And so by the time I graduated high school, I, I wanted to be done with my faith mm. or just kept putting people in front of me who made sure that I wouldn't leave the faith. Mm. Like my, i uh, i played college baseball and my assistant coach my freshman year just every week would make sure did you go to mass tanner when was mm-hmm. the last time been a confession here's a dr scott Hahn cd listen to it he would just make sure i didn't you know go astray and then yeah that it was just such a grace like i i hated this man in the moment he was really hard on me as a coach and and i got bullied by the upperclassmen and he wouldn't like in my mind he wasn't stopping them so he was part of the problem but looking back I can actually see ways he he helped, but man, the guy looking back on my life was such a blessing, just an absolute godsend. I'm so grateful for him. And it took finding a good group of friends and really experiencing the faith authentically for the first time, having that encounter with our Lord, developing that relationship for scrupulosity, uh, for me to get somewhat manageable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: As you said, it's a journey, like someone who struggles with this. And I'm not sure there's ever a cure. I mean, I'm sure the Lord has healed people from it um, and delivered them, you know, like that. But I think for a lot of us, it's just a constant cross we have to carry.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine how difficult that would be to feel like, you know, you've committed a mortal sin and you're not sure. So do you have any like tips for anyone who struggles with scrupulosity to approach confession? Like I can imagine that would be really difficult for someone.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have a few things. I would I would say don't confession hop. And mm. some guilty. Someone is listening to this and <laughs> have scrupulosity. They know what I'm talking about. But for those of you who don't, confession hopping is when you like go to intentionally go to like a different confessor because you're maybe embarrassed that you just went two days ago.
0: You're looking at me right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Kathy's like, yep, yeah, he does that. Yep, yep.
2: (laughs) Hey man, it it happens, it happens. But I would say find a regular confessor. Get someone who can get used to seeing you, get used to knowing your heart and hearing your heart and be able to kind of give you a little bit more direction. And then also having like a spiritual director, Mm. someone who can really talk about this too, who can really get to know your heart and help you discern those movements and whether or not they're from the Lord or not. And then also getting a counselor. I don't think we live in a time necessarily in 2024 where getting like mental help is like taboo, but there was definitely a time where that was like, oh, you're that's like really weird. But yeah, get a counselor. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that at all. The best of us need counseling. And so um, those three things right there, a regular confessor, a spiritual director, and a therapist, man, I can do wonders.
0: Yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk about like the idea of like negating a thought when you were saying you you were younger and you had to yell out bad thought, bad thought. And I think, I think there's something really to the essence of scrupulosity being tied to mental events in our head or just placing too much importance on your thoughts, thinking that they are reality. And I think one of the things I've had to learn so much is that simply what I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing in my head or my heart isn't necessarily a sin. It's just a temptation. So can you speak maybe a little into how sometimes I think the the line between temptation and sin can be blurred a little bit when you have scrupulosity?
2: Oh, oh absolutely. You can have an image come to your mind, and you can like think about it just briefly and then catch yourself and be like, oh my gosh, did I like, intentionally do that did i linger on that what's that gray well, gray line how do i determine that? um and yeah i think gosh scrupulosity is also just like a constant invitation to trust in the mercy of god and as you were saying that i think theology of the body also really helps cuz when you're understanding like okay can i kind of nerd out here just for a bit forgive me anyone who's listening and you're already tired of my voice hear this out this is really cool it's from a sister of life So hopefully it'll entertain you, but in the beginning, like what, what separates us from any other animal is that we are passions and emotions, which we share with the animals, but we're also intellect and will, which we share with the angels. We have these three things, uh, passions and intellect and will. And in the beginning, they were all in line. So our emotions, like we felt good about what we knew was good and we chose the good and we felt good about choosing the good and everything was just like seamless and after the fall everything just went real haywired everything got twisted and distorted almost like a silly straw if you can picture a silly straw now after the fall we know what is good but we we might not feel good about doing that we might not have the strength to choose that good sometimes we can even feel good about doing something that we know is bad we're just we're this twisted Distortion of what we once were and I think understanding that really understanding human and like how we were created and theology of the body what we were in the beginning and what we are after the fall really helps you to understand that passing thought or your own imagination isn't necessarily like your will it's not necessarily what you're enjoying it's it's a it's a distortion of the fall it's not it's, there's a there's a lack of harmony there that still needs to be purified and a process of like sanctifying that still needs to be undergone. So, yeah, I think having that understanding has also really helped me. That's
0: really good, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, that's amazing. And I just kind of want to learn more about like what has helped you specifically, you mentioned um spiritual direction. Can you talk about your experience with that and how that has helped you on your journey?
2: Gosh. Yes. I love my spiritual director. I'm not going to say his name because everyone in the world already goes to him. And <laughs> after, Then he's just going to have overwhelmed overload. But I was seeing a spiritual director that I really enjoyed at one point. And a friend of mine was going to spiritual direction with my now spiritual director. And for some reason I got brought up in their spiritual direction. I don't know why this spiritual director said, I need to talk to Tanner. And so my friend came back to me he's like hey man my spiritual director really wants to talk to you and i was like i have got someone I'm, i'm good and this happened over a month maybe two maybe three maybe four until finally i was like okay i'll just give this guy a shot and when i met with this guy it was like he just knew me he just like just rattled off thing after thing that like hit my heart and was true to who i am and i was like wow um, it just kind of wrecked me. Yeah, my first meeting, I mean, the, the amount of tears were shed. It was a little bit embarrassing. But going with him and just like, he has walked me through the pits and he knows my heart well. And he knows that like, if I'm lingering on something, he's like Tanner, for being stupid, uh, mm-hmm. he'll just like call it out. But yeah, that's not only like been helped with scrupulosity with my spiritual director, but I've been helped through heartbreak. I've been helped through discernment. I've been helped through struggling with like insecurities about my own self and just yeah he has like helped me just really understand the lord in a whole new way and if anyone here has ever thought about getting a spiritual director but maybe keeps putting on the back burner dude send an email today like quit waiting
0: i love that yeah and i think one of the freeing things i've found with spiritual direction too is that there's really A sense of letting go from like what you might be anxious about and you're putting not only your trust in jesus but you're putting your trust in a spiritual director so you know like a spiritual director can say hey like i'm telling you go to communion because oftentimes for me i'm at mass and i'm like trying to figure out oh did i commit a mortal sin can i receive communion but like it's amazing having a spiritual director saying no i'm telling you to go to communion Not like you're in a religious order, but there is that sense of obedience that comes in a little bit that you can put a little less trust in your anxiety and more trust in the truth that's coming from your spiritual director.
2: Absolutely. That's the beauty of having hierarchy in our church is that the voice of God can be used through those above us.
0: Yeah. And there's also a really good resource too. I'd recommend listeners check out. Uh, I think it's called 10 Commandments for the Scrupulous. Yeah, we'll post it to our uh, show notes, but it's just, it's good. And and one of the things it mentions is like when you're in confession and if you're doubtful that you've committed a mortal sin, assume that you haven't. So always lean on the side of, well, I have to know for sure, unless I, if I don't know for sure, then I can assume I'm okay. So. Yeah.
2: I had a a wonderful, wonderful priest. I, I really trust one time say, if you can put your hand on the Bible and swear that you committed a mortal sin, then mm-hmm. yeah, don't receive the Lord. If you can't do that, then then trust in his mercy.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. And yeah, before we wrap up, I just, I want to talk about how the Eucharist plays into this too. So you're working on promoting the Eucharistic Congress, which is coming up in July this year in Indianapolis. So this message of the Eucharist, I think is really important because it does tie into Jesus's mercy and also his healing. So how can somebody who's struggling with scrupulosity rely a little bit more specifically on the sacrament of Eucharist? Absolutely.
2: Jesus is just as present here as he was 2,000 years ago, and he healed people 2,000 years ago, so he continues to heal people today through the Eucharist. Pope Benedict XVI called the Eucharist the genuine reality. He's saying that the Eucharist is more real than anyone or anything, and he called the Eucharist the yardstick, the reality by which we measure every other reality. And so the more we can train our eyes to see Jesus there in the Eucharist, the more we can understand ourselves as we really are, and the more we can understand our neighbor as as they really are, the more we can see reality as it really is. And so just, yeah, the deeper your devotion can go to the Eucharist, the more you understand yourself, the more you can filter through those questions that plague you, if you have scrupulosity, and the more those questions can be purified by just the the overflowing grace from the Eucharist. So forgive me, I said, go to a regular confessor, find a spiritual director and find a therapist. But above all those things, return to the Lord in the Eucharist and return to him often.
0: Amen, amen.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and just talk a little bit more about the Eucharistic Congress too. What can people expect at this event?
2: Oh, absolutely. So when JP2 came to World Youth Day, in Denver in 1993, it changed our church as we know it. Uh, mm-hmm. So many beautiful apostolates and and spiritual communities and organizations can trace their origins back to that moment in 93. FOCUS, Fellowship of Catholic University students, I think Life Team can trace the seeds of their organization back to World Youth Day in 1993. And our bishops, our spiritual fathers, our spiritual authorities, the heirs to the apostles, Are praying that this will be that moment for our generation, that decades from now we'll be able to look back on uh, what happened in Indianapolis July 17th to 21st and say, yeah, the world changed there.
0: How can people learn more then about the Congress?
2: Go to eucharisticcongress.org and you can register. We've made it as humanly cheap as possible. It is the the cheapest big Catholic gathering of the year. Um, There are scholarships available. There is housing available and yeah, seriously pray and consider if you're called to attend because those who are called, they're gonna just receive special graces there.
0: It's really inspiring just to hear from you. And it's I think it's important for people to know they're not alone in their struggle with scrupulosity and to think, wow, like the similarities of what you're saying, I can totally connect to. So I just really appreciate you sharing your heart on it.
2: Oh man, yeah, they're so not alone. You are so not alone if you're listening.
0: This is Truth Pop.